from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. We're on your favorite podcast. That We're talking about the big stories in London. And in London right now is the man who wants to be not only the next leader of the Ontario Liberal Party, but wants to be the next Premier of Ontario. Nathaniel Erskine-Smith is here and uh, has been kind enough to give us a few minutes in studio to talk about uh, his trip to the Forest City and uh, uh, a few other things. Uh, Nate, thanks so much for coming in. We appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me because I... Last time I was yeah. virtual, we and were zooming today in, so, in yeah. person. So now, it's nice. Now you're here, and I, you know, I was just we were just talking before we started recording. I saw you at the at the parade yesterday, which uh, which was pretty cool. Did you have a good time at the at the London Pride Festival parade there? It, it was great. It was actually a great weekend all around. I was at a wedding of friends, Corey and Sean, in Paris, Ontario, on Saturday night, and Corey, in his remarks, was saying you know, 18 years ago, we wouldn't be able to do this. And so mm-hmm. really want to shout out all the people who, who fought to make this happen, continue to fight to make it happen. And then we're celebrating love on Sunday all across London. Awesome. Yeah, really good. Yeah, it was a, the, the, and, and shout out to the people at, uh, at Pride London Festival because they did a, t- a phenomenal job at the parade once again, as they, uh, as they have for many years. So uh, you're here. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you about is something that's, uh, that's happening. We're recording this f- uh, for disclosure for the audience on Monday morning. Uh, let's talk about what's going to be uh, discussed at London City Hall later today, which is this plan to combat homelessness in the city, which is requiring uh, investment from the federal government, which is the level you're at now. They want some investment from the provincial government to create hubs. They want to create long-term permanent housing. Homelessness is a big issue in London. I'm sure you've heard all about that. Of course you have. What do you think you as premier or you as a leader of the Ontario Liberal Party would do to help try to combat this problem? So first, it's really important to say this isn't just a London problem. No. This is all across the province, and it is a public health issue. It's a public safety issue. People want to protect their downtowns. The Ontario Business Improvement Association, in their submission to the last budget cycle provincially, was talking about needing to address mental health and addictions and address homelessness as a matter of just protecting downtowns. And if we're going to protect public safety, we have to deliver public health. And so I'm very glad to see the leadership at the municipal level on this. We need to see leadership at the provincial level. And what that means I think fundamentally two things. It's helping build non-market housing, transitional housing, supportive housing, and then most importantly, and I'll use an example that I have seen firsthand, I have an example of my own riding municipal parking lot. They put it up to build modular housing, 60 units to help people exit the shelter system. Mm-hmm. The feds came in with dollars, capital dollars to build, and the province just needed to come in with wraparound supports to make it work, and they were not at the table. And so it's a question of obviously putting dollars in on the housing side, but it's also really importantly a question of putting dollars in on the social support side and wraparound service side that the province should be leading on all across this province. We can't download these responsibilities to cities and municipalities. There just isn't the flexibility with the way that cities and municipalities are able to raise money. Exactly. They have property taxes, and that's it. And it's and it's beyond absurd to see a problem that exists in Dryden, Sioux Lookout, Windsor, London, St. Thomas, a problem that exists absolutely everywhere, and the province says, well, it's a municipal issue. Go, go deal with it, cities. It comes up now at FCM. It comes out, up at AMO. People are crying for leadership at the provincial level, and, and we're not seeing it. Do we need more leadership uh, where you're at now at the federal level? Because uh, there used to be in, in, in Canada programs where the federal government would create uh, housing, uh, affordable housing. Now, we've seen some of that come back, but not 
quite as strong as some advocates would say. Do we need to see more of that happen at the federal level in your estimation? We are going to need to see continued investments at the federal level to end chronic homelessness. That's now a commitment. We initially committed to have chronic homelessness. We saw such success with the Rapid Housing Initiative and dollars on the table for municipalities at the, from, the, from, from the federal government that we've now expedited the sort of timeline of the commitment and increase the ambition of the commitment to completely end chronic homelessness. That program's got to work for all municipalities, though. So in my travels to Northern Ontario, they look at it and say, it doesn't work for us. The cost of building is just too great. We need more support. And so we do have to be a bit more careful about the details. Mm -hmm. And we're ultimately going to need to have additional rounds of that money because it has made a huge impact on the ground. But the scale of the challenge is so great that we're going to need to see continued investment. From the uh, on the provincial end, uh, I talk all the time about investments in mental health and investments in Ontario Works and ODSP, and I think that those are, are steps we need to take. The, the current provincial government just is simply not doing that, or not nearly enough. What would you do if you were premier in those files? So I've said throughout my travels, we need competence, we need compassion, and we need integrity as values. That I the think British we're currently 0 for 3. <laughs> we are 0 for 3. Yeah. And, I, and when it comes to compassion, I thought a lot about this. I was the co-chair with Senator Kim Pate of our all-party anti-poverty caucus. I worked very hard to increase the Canada workers' benefit at the federal level. I have worked very hard to push the federal government on the disability benefit. Thinking about provincial social safety net reform, making sure we have a social safety net that truly leaves nobody behind, it really comes down to three things. It is income security. That is the number one social determinant of health. And and that means increasing rates for ODSP and OW. It also means making sure that those programs are more accessible and people aren't fighting tooth and nail through the legal aid system to get the benefits that they deserve. Two, it means a real commitment to ending chronic homelessness, and that means dollars for non-market housing. And lastly, it means support for social service agencies. And in my community, I've seen the need for increased supports for wraparound supports for homelessness. I've also seen need for supports for urban indigenous communities and the service organizations that provide direct service to them. And so those are the three pillars. We haven't fully launched the details of it yet, mm -hmm. but in the course of this leadership, those are going to be the three pillars that I will continue to emphasize time and time again, and income security, chron ending chronic homelessness, and support for social service providers. Uh, you know, I think it's the biggest issue facing the province right now from this perspective, and you alluded to it earlier. Uh, this doesn't just impact people who are dealing with homelessness. This impacts the healthcare system. This impacts the justice system. This impacts policing. There are so many things that if you have people dealing with chronic homelessness, they are so much more likely to wind up at an ER needing yes. mental health care. Uh, they, the old adage, ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure. Let's get some of this prevention going here. And municipalities, in my experience traveling the province, are spending far too much on mm -hmm. policing. And yep. the police are saying... Rightly, They don't want to deal with mental health stuff. We don't want to police mental health. We don't want to police addictions. And we don't want to police poverty. Right. This is a health issue. Police chiefs are saying it. Police yep. officers are saying it. Medical experts are saying it. The Families with lost loved ones are saying it. Yeah, Everyone's saying unions. it. Everyone agrees. I don't understand how we haven't been able to move this. That's, that's Politicians the yeah. are the obstacle. And, and increasingly, not municipal politicians. Yeah. Increasingly, the challenge, squarely, is Doug Ford. And it is the Ford government that does not believe in a public health approach to these challenges. And... I wish there was more to it than that, but we need leadership at the provincial level to make sure we really focus in on areas of need, mental health and addictions, ending chronic homelessness and supporting people in need. And as I say, this is can be cast as a public safety issue, e even to the extent in Pride Parade just yesterday, 
speaking to a woman who works in mental health and addictions on the ground, and she says, yeah, sometimes I'm uncomfortable walking through certain areas mm -hmm. of downtown. It shouldn't be that way. Well, we can protect public safety by delivering public health. That is what all of the experts, the police chiefs, the families who have lost loved ones, everyone is saying politicians need to follow the lead, follow the evidence, and, and do what's right. Uh, one of the ways the evidence points is increased uh, Ontario Works dollars and increased <coughs> ODSP dollars. Uh, there are going to be people listening to me right now and say, hey, Craig, you know, the Wynn government and the McGinty government, they had their chances to increase those things after Mike Harris kind of slashed and burned, and they didn't do that. Uh, what would make a government led by you different on those files? When I was first elected, we had, and this is 2015, I was elected federally yep. for the first time. I quickly got involved in advocacy around stronger social safety net reform, around basic income supports and increasing basic income supports. We were doing very good work at the federal level for the Canada Child Benefit. And that's lifted over 400,000 kids out of poverty. I think that is the best piece of legislation your government's done in eight years. Agreed. I think I, it's, Agreed. it's clearly far and away number one for me. We increased There's some things I don't like, but I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we increased GIS for seniors as well. And the missing middle here, the, the largest poverty rate among any demographic was working age Canadians. Right. And I looked at that and I said, okay, well, we have what was then called the working income tax benefit. I brought a policy resolution to my caucus to say we need to make it automatic. There were people not getting the benefit they deserve because they weren't filing a second form on their taxes and we need to increase the amount. And since that time, we have made it automatic and we've sizably increased the amount. Tens of thousands of people are out of poverty now as a result of that, that advocacy and that work. And I wasn't alone in this, but I, I really helped I think, mm -hmm. push caucus and, and push the government to, to do the right thing in that case. And we need to do more. Similarly, I've stood at, you know, at press conferences with colleagues from other parties, colleagues in the Senate to really push on the federal government to expedite the disability benefit that could make a huge difference in the lives of so many. And so, I, you know, that's a long way of saying, in short, I have a track record of advocating right. for those in need, and I'm going to continue to deliver for people in need at the provincial level. So let's talk about the the race in general then. And you're in a race, and I think there's four other candidates. Uh, uh, sometimes it's getting it's gotten a little bit heated between uh, some of the campaigns. Uh, we're talking <laughs> about ageism, and it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> where are we at in the race right now, in your estimation? What kind of traction is the race itself building? Do you think it's been great? There are five, I will including myself in this, uh, five strong candidates. And people are working really hard on the ground all across Ontario. And I've seen Ted Shu and Yasser and Adel around a great deal. Bonnie's catching up and, and traveling. I know she was just in Northern Ontario. So people are putting the work in now. And there's been a lot more, I would say, media coverage of the race. People are aware that it's going on more than they otherwise would have been if we didn't have that coverage. So that's been good. And I think ultimately it just comes down to three things. We have to and what I'm working at is defining the values that we want to stand for as a liberal party, putting the work in on the ideas front to make sure that it's not just about winning elections, but it's about making sure elections serve big ideas to help people in their lives. And we've talked about some already. Mm -hmm. And then it's about the hard work and the grassroots generational renewal that I think we need. I mean, I got involved in federal politics 10 years ago because the party was in third place and in need of desperate renewal. And that's where I felt I could make the biggest difference. And that's exactly what exists at the provincial level right now. How do you do that? Because we've seen two consecutive elections here where the results have been very, very poor. And one of them, okay, it was a government that Ontarians felt needed to be ushered out. And then there was supposed to be a renewal and that didn't happen. How do you, the next time we do this in 2026, presumably, uh, how do we make sure that renewal happens of the Liberal Party? What would be your plan for that? 
Well, let's go through the three things around values, ideas, and then hard work. On the values side, it's not enough to be the not Doug Ford party. There are three right. not Doug Ford parties in the province of Ontario. And so when I mentioned those values of competence, compassion, integrity, it is easy to say Ford lacks competence on housing and healthcare. That's easy enough. People know that. They feel it. He has no compassion towards people in OW and ODSP. He lacks integrity to sell off the green belt and you run down the list. But we actually have to embody those values. It's not enough to tear Doug Ford down. We have to build ourselves up in a serious way. A strong economic agenda, fairness for those in need, and integrity in all things we do. It's also about ideas. And so we can talk about helping people in need and we can talk about homelessness. Housing comes up absolutely everywhere across this province. Housing affordability, not just helping those in the greatest need, but helping middle class Ontarians as well. And making sure that we are building supply to keep pace with population growth and demand. You look at public education, you look at public health care, we need to really look at the challenges in these systems and deliver for people in a serious way and have a level of ambition that frankly I have not seen in this government and I haven't seen in all governments actually in in my lifetime in some ways on certain files. A level of ambition that I would like to deliver as, as leader. And then lastly on the hard work side, there's no substitute for showing up and building an active presence and rebuilding an active presence absolutely everywhere. And so that's the work we're doing. I've got a 90 writings now. This is my, I can't even remember, third, fourth time back in mm-hmm. the London area. And each time the team grows stronger and we just have to keep at it. And that grassroots approach, not to take a top-down approach. And I hope, again, I can point to a track record to say, I've got a politics of doing things a little bit differently, of being a strong local community advocate, pushing the government to be the best version of itself. And that's the kind of politics I want. I don't want everyone to just agree with me. Mm-hmm. I want them to be their strong voices on behalf of their own communities and push me to be the best leader I can be. I don't know if the party renewal comes from being the progressive conservatives, but nicer. <laughs> I don't think it's enough to no. go from that. Just blue means to that red. The, that just means that it becomes a, a, a choice. If we, oh, you don't like the progressive conservatives, it becomes choice of PC light or the NDP. And I think a lot of people, and we've seen it in two elections in a row, are just going to say, "Well, you know what? I'm just going to vote for the NDP then." Completely agree. I, I don't think it's enough to go from blue to red. What do we stand for? What do we stand for that is markedly different? And this is, I, I think, a really a really clear contrast. I think this race is likely to come down to Bonnie Crombie and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in my travels, that seems how to be it's shaken out. And there are two very different visions for the party. And I think her vision is Bonnie and one. This is about taking back power right away. And I'm going to work relentlessly to oust the Doug Ford government and to deliver change. But Politics and ideas matter in our politics. And so this is not just about blue to red. This is not a a center-right government that I want to lead. This is not a government that is going to even consider opening up the green belt and land swaps. This is not a government that thinks spending on healthcare and education or childcare is, is too much spending. I, I think Bonnie and I have very different visions of what we want out of the Ontario Liberal Party. Of course, I want a strong economic agenda. Of course, I want fiscal sustainability to deliver lasting social progress. But I, I, I think it will be clear in the policies we put forward that there's a level of ambition I want to see in delivering solutions uh, that will represent a much more progressive and pragmatic Liberal Party under my leadership. How would you define, say, the McGuinty era? Would, would that have been center government for you, center right, like Bonnie's talking about? How would you define that? And you're like, just com- compared to your political compass. It's interesting because yeah. on some issues, they were an incredibly progressive government. Yeah. I mean, you look at phasing out coal fired electricity, yep. you look at full day kindergarten, yep. and. Anytime someone speaks of a center-right government and that governing from the center-right is the secret sauce, my mind just goes to 
a complete and total lack of ambition on climate, a complete and total lack of ambition on investing in healthcare, and a defense of the status quo. That is the opposite of what I want in our politics, and I, and I don't think that's what liberal governments tend to deliver. Okay. So if that's the case, then, you know, you've got a few months here to convince, well, not even a few months to convince people to sign up, but a few months to convince liberal members to give you their vote. You've just sort of given your pitch on as far as what you think the future can be. How do you connect with as many of these liberal voters as you can in order to make sure that they pick you? Well, number one, it's about growing the base. And so a huge part of my pitch, and I would say this to anyone listening, if you want better from politics, the answer is participation. Mm -hmm. And politics can be massively frustrating. I'm not suggesting there are no faults to politics, but I would say at the same time, despite its faults, it is the most important way to make a difference in the lives of those around us. And if you want better on healthcare, if you want better on education, if you want better on climate, if you want better on housing, if you want a stronger social safety, if you want a strong economy and economic opportunities for you and your kids, now is the time to get involved. The Liberal Party is broken in many ways. We have seven seats at Queen's Park, hopefully eight after the by-elections, but seven right now. And mm -hmm. we do not have the active presence we should have in every corner of this province. And so there is an opportunity here to build this together make this party and make our politics in Ontario the way we want it to be. And so my my message is get involved and, and help me win this thing and help me change Ontario. Well, if you look at the Liberal uh, Party members of, of, of caucus right now, I think for the most part, uh, everyone's phone number would start with either 613 or 416. Correct. You're going to need some 905s in there. You're going to need some 519s in there if you want to be government. How do you do that? How do you expand beyond that? Honestly, I, and I say this by based on the work that I've been doing traveling the province, half the battle is showing up and, and taking the concerns seriously of people on the ground and, and rebuilding that presence. You know, Peter Fragascatis has been very helpful in this. Vivian LaPointe, a colleague of mine in Sudbury, is very helpful. Marcus Pilowski in Th Thunder Bay has been really helpful. Bob Nalt up in Kenora, an old colleague of mine. So everywhere I go, the team grow stronger. I've done seven tours of Northern Ontario. We've got a really strong team there as well. And it comes from listening, comes from building relationships and, and from showing up in that way. And then you have to take all that and then you have to deliver those serious solutions to the challenges that people are articulating on housing, healthcare, education, and more. And so there's no, there's no shortcut here. There's no, we can snap our fingers and go third to first. You really have to put the work in. And I was asked, Almost a year ago, uh, we had a caucus retreat in New Brunswick, and I was scrummed by reporters, and they said, so are you running for leader? Mm -hmm. And I said, look, this is where I can make the biggest difference. I'm convinced of that. But I am from Toronto. I represent Toronto. And I'm not going to do this if I, if I can't build a team of people absolutely everywhere. And when I launched in early May, it was because I have a team of people absolutely everywhere, and, I, and I'm taking that core commitment. Whether or not a community is represented by a liberal at Queen's Park, every community should have a strong voice in our party. And that's the kind of party I'm out to build. So what's the future like for you then? Uh, are you going to slide to provincial politics regardless of whether you're the next liberal leader? Is that something you've thought about? What's the... I've thought about it. Yeah. I really like my Beaches East York colleague, Mary Margaret McMahon. So mm -hmm. I don't have an easy path right. to just jump in as an MPP. And we worked really hard to get her elected. She's amazing. She's going to join me tomorrow at Queen's Park with Catherine McKenna to talk about really ambitious climate action. We'll talk about that in a second. And I think the... The core, I mean, the really honest answer is it depends upon who the leader is, that I, politics is a sacrifice. Politics is a sacrifice in, for the public good, and I feel like I've made a huge difference in doing this over the last eight years. I don't see my family as much as <laughs> I'd like to see them yeah. at times. Uh, there's a sacrifice to that. My, my 
life is more public than it otherwise would be. There's a sacrifice to some of that. And if I'm going to go and make an, a, a sacrifice at the provincial level for the coming years, I have to really believe that we're going to make a huge difference in the lives of people. Right, right. So it's something that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the, the lay of the land is after the race. Leadership matters. Yeah. Uh, in December, uh, people are going to decide. And that's really not that long from now. It, uh, it probably felt like a long time maybe when you, when you got in in May, but it's not that <laughs> long from now here in, uh, in July, which is almost over. And it's even shorter because yeah. September 11th is, is the last the day you can sign up. Yeah. So shameless plug, meetnate.ca to go sign up right now. Stop what you're doing. Go <laughs> sign up right now. But, uh, but that is, it's free. Anyone 14 plus, any resident of Ontario can join and really help change politics for the provincial liberal party and, and Ontario. You know, there, there are people that are going to say to you, and you and I have talked about this before, the future of Ontario politics might just be a situation where there are, are two parties. And maybe it's like British Columbia or like we've seen in Alberta the last couple of elections where uh, there, there's the B.C. Liberals, but we all know what that is. Uh, whereas there's the NDP and a right of center party, Saskatchewan, same deal. Do you think that's the future of Ontario politics? Or do you think there's a future where there are three parties which could hypothetically form government depending on what election we're talking about here? I think the dynamics in Ontario are different from dynamics in other provinces where we have seen things coalesce around two parties. I don't see that very easily happening in Ontario. And when you look at the polling even today where we don't have a leader, we are neck and neck with the NDP. And so I... I think the emphasis instead has to be, rather than on consolidation, it should be on collaboration. And I, again, would point to a track record. I have worked across party lines with conservatives. I've worked across party lines with members of the NDP and the Green Party to get things done. Uh, one of the best examples, we, you know, I wrote a motion out when the grocery store CEOs all slashed pandemic pay premiums at the same time. I was quite mad about it. It was my birthday. I woke up angry, <laughs> tapped out a motion on my phone, hauled the CEOs in front of our industry committee. But I worked with Michelle Rempel from the Conservatives. I worked with Brian Massey from the NDP, and we really collectively pushed, and we changed the wage-fixing laws. And so you can make a huge difference with collaboration, and I would want to take that same approach at the provincial level and working with partners from the NDP Greens. And I don't know that that same partnership, There's I don't know that there's the same willingness from the Conservatives, frankly, mm-hmm. and what I've seen. I, my own colleague, Mary Margaret, she had the most innocuous motion to help reduce flood risk, to help people save money uh, as homeowners and reducing flood risk. And it was really an educational informational campaign and a smart idea, partnered with conservation authorities, partnered with experts, and the Ford government shot it down just because it came from a liberal. So, you know, I I think that's the wrong approach to politics. We should be embracing good ideas no matter where they come from. Yeah. Uh, We can talk about grocery CEOs, but we'd be here for an hour. (laughs) And uh, I I, I can swear because it's the internet, but I don't want to. So I'm sure you don't want to be involved in that either. Uh, So we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Anything else? uh, Actually, sorry, I do want to ask you. uh, I know you don't want to spoil your whole announcement tomorrow, but uh, former climate minister uh, or uh, environment minister Catherine McKenna is going to be with you at Queen's Park tomorrow. Just generally, what are you going to talk about? We're going to talk about the need for ambition, the need for a serious, incredible climate plan, the need for really comprehensive action, and the need for accountability. And this is fundamentally about delivering more nature protection. It is about reducing emissions. It is about creating jobs at the same time. And it's about protecting the planet for our kids. 
Can we see more of that at the federal level right now? Because I've seen, you know, I've, I've seen the former minister's tweets and she uh, can sometimes be critical of, of, of the federal government. But she used to have not just a seat at the table, but a really big seat at the table. So do you look back and think to yourself, hey, maybe we could have done more here as, uh, you know, uh, perhaps when maybe there was a majority government or even other times. Could we have done more here as the federal level party when it comes to climate change? I think we could and should have done more at times. Mm-hmm. And I've been critical of the amount of money we've spent on TMX, for example, that could yep. have been invested in renewables. That was a mistake, I think. I've been at times critical of the the target could be stronger, I, I think, especially as it relates to shorter term objectives. The net zero by 2050, I think, is, is the right end goal as, as a national government. We're not pacing there, though. Not yet. Yeah. But, I, but at the same time, I would say, and this is where despite frustrations, and I can't say tell the same story on every issue, but on, on climate action, I would say the federal government over the last eight years has really wholesale changed policy in this country in a really positive way. We have pollution pricing that is increasing and that is putting money back in the pockets of people who, who would otherwise be negatively affected. We see major ambition on phasing out coal-fired electricity nationally. We see major ambition on methane reductions. We see huge investments in public transit and in the green infrastructure side of the equation. So I look at this and the last budget was even ramped up the ambition. And I think the goal is to, at every step, continue to ratchet up ambition in our action and in our goals. And I I have seen that, it's not been perfect. I don't wanna suggest Mm. it's been a perfect record, but very few governments around the world have been as credible and ambitious as this one. And I think that's, when I go to, you know, when we go to the polls in the the next federal election, that's something we've gotta defend and, and then commit to build on. The next federal election uh, is a fascinating subject for me. But, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, I will not be involved day. in it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's not uh, that's not for you to worry about. Uh, Nate, thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate uh, you spending a couple minutes with us. Glad you're in London. Glad you're at the Pride Parade yesterday. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's uh, Nathaniel Erskine Smith, who of course uh, wants to be the next leader of the Ontario Liberal Party, and uh, the details as far as uh, where you can go to uh, sign up to vote for that and whatever uh, uh, meetnate.ca. Correct. Correct. There you go. That's uh, all the time got here on the Craig Needles Podcast, this edition, which of course you can find at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and we're on your favorite podcast app as well. Uh, getting the unusual Monday episode, we're going to try to put something together for tomorrow just in regards to what they talk about at London City Hall tonight in regarding the homelessness plan. We're going to see how that shakes down, but uh, that is uh, hopefully coming up tomorrow here on the Craig Needles Podcast. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.